Hello, church family. We are back with our devotionals, though we are not doing daily devotionals. That got to be a lot on, uh, on me and Jeremy as we were working on these uh, together. And so we are back, though, to provide three devotionals per week, three per week. And each week, we're going to focus on a different attribute of God. Uh, this week, however, I'm not going to focus on a particular attribute of God. We're just going to focus on who God is. Try to get a big picture of who God is. The purpose of these devotionals is to help us root our hope and our trust in who God is so that we might remain steadfast in faith. One person said this, Wimpy theology produces wimpy Christians, and wimpy Christians will not be able to survive the days ahead. We're in tough days. What will see us through? We have to have a deep, right theology of God, believing and embracing who He really is. So I pray that these devotionals will be useful to you, that you'll continue to persevere in these times. So today we're asking, who is God? We'll be asking that all this week. I would propose to you that perhaps most people in the world have a wrong view of who God is. Now, of course, there are many religions out there that believe in some higher deity that distorts the view of God as revealed in the Bible. And there are some who don't even believe that any sort of God exists at all. My concern, however, is those who distort who the God of the Bible is. Many people who claim to believe in the God of Bible, when pressed, it becomes apparent that their view of God in the Bible is very different from the perspective of the Bible. I came across this little quote from a book called What is the Gospel? And I commend that to you. It's actually not a little quote. It's kind of a long quote. But I want you to follow along, see if this resonates. He says this, Let me introduce you to God and the God there is, the G is in a lowercase. Let me introduce you to God. You might want to lower your voice, voice a little before going in. He's asleep right now. He's old, you know, and he doesn't much understand or like this newfangled modern world. His golden days were a long time ago before most of us were even born. That was back when people cared about what he thought about things and considered him pretty important in their lives. Of course, all that's changed now. And God, poor fella, just never adjusted very well. Life's move on and passed him by. Now he spends most of his time hanging out in the garden out back. I go there sometimes to see him, and there we tarry and walking and talking softly and tenderly among the roses. Anyway, a lot of people still like him, it seems, or at least he manages to keep his poll number pretty high. And you'd be surprised how many people even dropped by to visit and ask him for things every once in a while. But of course, that's all right with him. He's here to help. Thank goodness all that crankiness you read about sometimes in old books, you know, of having the earth swallowed up, swallow people up and rain, fire, raining fire down on cities, that sort of thing. All that seems to have faded in his old age. Now he's just a good old nature, low-maintenance friend who's really easy to talk to, especially since he almost never talks back. And when he does, it's usually tell me through some slightly weird sign that what I want to do, regardless, is all right with him. That really is the best kind of friend, isn't it? You know, the best thing about him, though, he doesn't judge me, ever, for anything. Oh, sure, I know deep down he wishes I'd be better, more loving, less selfish, and all that, but he's realistic. He knows I'm human, and nobody's perfect, and I'm totally sure he's fine with that. Besides, forgiving people is his job. It's what he does. After all, he's love, right? 
And I think to, and I like to think of love as never judging and only forgiving. That's the God I know, and I would not have him any other way, end quote. It's sort of a humorous, but frankly, fairly accurate picture of how many people view God. I hope in our study of the God of Scripture, you come to see him not as some grandpa in the sky, but as the ruler, the creator of the universe who is self-sufficient, yet full of intense love towards people who don't deserve it. Today I want to mention uh, one specific focus of God. I, I, want to, I want to focus our attention on the fact that God is utterly unique. There is none like our God. He is in a class all by himself. Let me back that up with a few scripture passages. Exodus 15, verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Now that verse was declared by Moses after God had just showed off his power in delivering his people from Egypt. Who is like you? How about Jeremiah 10, 6 and 7? There is none like you, O Lord. You are great and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the earth in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. Now in Jeremiah chapter 10, that was in contrast to the idols that the kings had worshipped. There's none like the one true God. Let me give one more. 1 Kings 8, verses 22 to 23. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. God is utterly unique. Now, why is that so important to realize? Think about it. God would not be God if he is not unique. Part of what it means for him to be God is to be utterly unique. As humans, we're often tempted to make God into our own image, thus distorting who he is, rather than recognizing his utter uniqueness. I have found it that many times people dismiss certain things about God because they can't understand them or they, they, the reason why they can't understand them is because they're trying to put him into human categories. Like how is it the case that God never had a beginning? We're going to talk about that in, in weeks to come. God never had a beginning. We're trying to understand him according to our own finite time and space limitations when God is infinite. He's utterly unique. When we don't see God in a class all by himself, we're going to bring him down to our level and distort who he really is. There's no one like our God. We must have a high view of God and a right view of God. And we exist to know this God. We need to know him as the utterly unique God. Here's the way one person put it. What were we made for? to know God. What aim should we have in life? To know God. What is eternal life that Jesus gives? To know God. What is the best thing in eternal life? To know God. 
what in humans give God most pleasure? The knowledge of God, end quote. What we're doing here is not just merely an intellectual game. We're not just trying to apprehend certain truths about God. We are needing to embrace, love, enjoy, rely upon, truly know God. Not just know about Him. We need to know Him intimately and personally. As Hosea 6.3 says, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. So I pray that we would know Him in His utter uniqueness. There is no one like our God. Let me pray that that would be the case for us during these times. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that we would know you as you really are, the one-of-a-kind God. You are unique. You're in a class all by, all, by, all by yourself. There is no God like you. There is no God but you. You are God, and there is no one else. Help us to know you in that way and worship you in that way, and may that sustain our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.